The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Cosmic Geek Belts on and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 108 with guests Glenn Padani and Grant Blahaira, recorded live Friday, April 8, 2005. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter and now offering hands on VBNet and ASPNet classes remotely. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik RAD Controls, the UI essentials for rapid ASPNet development. Online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine. Leading independent magazine for .NET developers online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who recently won first prize in a contest for writing the best code with his nose, Carl Franklin. Thank you. Thank you very much. And welcome to .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers. I am your host, Carl Franklin, here in New London, Connecticut, on a beautiful, beautiful spring evening. In uh, on the east coast of the United States of America, and on the west coast, just slightly above the United States of America, is my uh, friend, my partner in crime, Richard Campbell. How are you, sir? Just fine, Maddie. It's a uh, it's a beautiful day out here on the west coast as well. How how did that happen? I don't know. I, I really don't know because usually it's either raining or sleeting here, and beautiful there, or the other way around. And oh. you actually have better weather out there than we do. I think uh, we had a rough week. Today's the only sunny day. So what have you been up to this week, Richard Campbell? Well, you know, I've been uh, hanging around, getting ready for TechEd, getting uh, airfares booked because you know we're gonna f- I'm gonna fly into Hartford beforehand and uh, and visit with you. And I got I've been involved with uh, MSDN Canada and the LastDeveloper.com, or it's actually LastDeveloper.com, which is it's only a Canadian contest. I'm sorry, it's only a Canadian contest, but that's what it is. They're they're doing a, a question and answer type contest. Uh, it's got some pretty serious prizes at it. Uh, wow. The winner will get uh, twenty five thousand dollars worth of goodies. Wow, is that so, for? Yeah, yeah. They've uh, worked up quite a uh, a show for that, and uh, uh, the contest is uh, just getting started now. Fantastic. Well, uh, I uh, have been teaching this week to uh, five in house people and one in San Diego. And uh, Eric, who is my my San Diego student this week, uh, started it started an infectious little thing. You know when somebody like uses a phrase over and over again and it sticks and sometimes like you can define a whole country with it like mate in Australia or a in Canada. This guy used the word ruckus 
to describe, you know, bullshit or or just what's all that noise all about, you know. <laughs> so so it's stuck and we've all been using it all week long. You know, so he said, what's the deal with all that web service ruckus in there, you know? So <laughs> so it's a ruckus. Yeah, it's a great word and I th- and I've I've started using it now and and uh, I I can't stop, you know. It's You're hooked. I'm hooked. And You're such a ruckus a, guy now. Well, you know, there's so many good words that aren't necessarily, you know, bad words, but they sound bad, but they're totally perfectly acceptable, but they're good words, you know? Like when you're really mad at someone, you say, bite me! You know, it's it's harmless, <laughs> but it's so great to say, you know? It feels so good. But, uh, yeah, ruckus, that's another one. Ruck- yeah, what's up with this .NET rocks ruckus? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So we got uh, Richard. I know that you've been really Im- impressed with the amount of fan mail that you get uh, as a co-host of .NET Rocks. It just never ends. And, and every no, day, I'm a rookie co-host, and I am staggered at the amount of email every day. And, and not that I'm saying don't send it. It's a lot of fun, and it's very interesting it's awesome. stuff. But I'm just amazed. You know, now I know why you're like that, Carl. Like what, man? <laughs> <laughs> you're very actually I'm going to give you a compliment here. You're very careful with your humility. And I can see why it's a concern because people send you messages every day telling you how great you are, you know. Next thing you know you're you're carrying your wheel, your ego around in a wheelbarrow. Yeah, well I I can't fit in the door as it is for for other reasons, but you know that the head doesn't need to be that big. You're right. I'd, <laughs> But I love the email, and we respond to it all, even if we don't read it on the on the air. But uh, you know, um, there was one email that was particularly interesting this week that I wanted to read from Andrew Weber, and he says, "Hi, Carl. I've been meaning to email you for some time. The reason I'm emailing you now is because I was on the bus to work today, and next to me was Benjamin Mitchell. I thought I would only have known who he was because I listened to your show." In fact, I attribute being an intern at Microsoft to your show because I've been listening to your show since one of your earlier shows with Pat Hines. I learn all about how and why .NET is important from your show. I come from a Java background like most people coming out of the university these days, and I actually went out and worked in Australia as a contractor for moving my skills as a Java developer to .NET. I implemented a help desk system there in just one and a half months from only learning .NET a couple of months before. In true DNR fan mail style, I'll cut the crap and get to the stuff. I worked in the platform developer support unit for MSDN and Premier subscribers, and I think you should have a show with us guys. Uh, you have your celebrities, but there are some really interesting stories in my world too. I'm sure your audience would like to know how MSDN support is handled, how we help out your guys, and how it gets back into the product groups for fixing bugs and such. One great story was uh, we had a customer who implemented a power station control system running on Windows 98 exposing services over sockets, and the business impact of not helping the customer's issue would have been a nuclear catastrophe. Wow. Other That's inter- pretty serious software. That's pretty serious. Other interesting cases include how we have to deal with VB6 customers who raise issues over moving to .NET, WMI, LDAP, GDI+, security, etc., we also have to be ready to support Whidbey and Longhorn, so we have a very good understanding of the technologies there. To be honest, we're all interested in Longhorn fundamentals. To us, Avalon is where we should be with UI, having it pumped via DirectX. If anyone's ever done any DirectX-enabled user controls, Avalon isn't that new, only that it's easy to do what you did before. Uh, 
There are a lot of interesting projects that will soon arise when Longhorn ships. I'm working on a .NET Grid computing API that uh, – let me do that again. I'm working on a .NET Grid computing API that allows you to decorate code with attributes and instantly your code executes on the network thanks to Windows services and extensions. Its code name is Data Swarm. That sounds really cool, doesn't it? It does sound nifty. I also have a blog where I post issues that customers have been asking and solutions to them as well as data swarm at shrinkster.com slash 4NM. That's 4 Nancy Mary. Check it out. No way as interesting as a CSS Zen Garden, but then what is? <laughs> I don't think it's fair that I receive mindless crap, although I've always wanted to, but as I get enough of that working here, it's cool, man. Wish you all the best with your shows, Andrew. Well, Andrew, we're going to send you a hoodie, man. Yeah, I think you have to. We've got to send you a hoodie. So thanks for, uh, thanks for that. And it's a great idea to do some uh, shows around uh, you know, areas of Microsoft. I think people are very interested in it, which uh, kind of segues into what we're doing tonight, isn't it? Exactly. We've, uh, we've got a couple of uh, guys from the Microsoft Customer Lab, Grant Blahairath and Glenn Podani. Grant Blahairath, we're going to find out about that name, which is very cool, is the technical manager for the Platform Adoption Center at Microsoft. He has been a software developer for 20 years at companies like Electronic Arts, Autodesk, Mattel, and Broderbund. Gee, Rich, you think we could score a few games? I'm thinking. I right. played a lot of Broderbund in my old days. <laughs> Most recently, he was the chief software architect for the Dublin, Ireland-based company Riverdeep Incorporated. Microsoft made a case study of one of the products he worked on at shrinkster.com slash 4NL. That's 4N as in Nancy L. Glenn Padani grew up in the Pacific Northwest. He's a graduate of Matteo Ricci College with a Bachelor of Arts from Seattle University. He served in the United States Air Force, too. He began his technical career in 1991, supporting remote access host connectivity solutions, then onto corporate networks, supporting Windows clients host connectivity to 3270 and 5250 environments. Glenn joined Microsoft in 1998, supporting resources leveraged by the Microsoft Technical Field Sales Organization. He's been a test lead, program manager, product manager, and his current position is lab manager at the Platform Adoption Center in Building 20. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank you. Thank you. So which one is Grant, which one is Glenn? And you know I'm going to confuse you guys, right? Sorry. Uh, it's, uh, it's interchangeable. I'm Grant, though. Yeah, okay. I'm Glenn. Okay, Glenn has a little bit more of a, a high-end EQ on his voice for any of those audio files out there. But you do have you know familiar-sounding names. But Grant, I'm interested in your in your uh, last name because I asked you at the beginning. Now it's B L A H A capital E R A T H Blaha E Rath. Yeah. And I thought, and I asked, you know, is that like a a cultural name? And and what, so, what's the deal with your last name? Well, um, you know, uh, I married my wife. She's her last name's Erath. That's a good and, uh, thing to do to your wife, really. Yeah, and uh, we. We decided to change both our names. Hmm. And, you know, sometimes people will hyphen, but then the computers will lose half the name. Oh. So, so you we joined decided them. To, to stick them together. Very cool. I've make never... them into one word. To make them into one word. But, you know, we want to sort of keep the essence of the family lineage. So we capitalize the E. 
that still gets lost. Yeah. Right. But it, yeah, I'm sure the capital dies all the time. Yeah, it does. And but it's a lot of fun to try to convince people to put the E in. <laughs> I, I was successful in getting Microsoft's IT to do so when I started here. So uh, uh, so far, I've been pretty lucky. It certainly um, makes uh, you know helps people remember you. That's for sure. I've never ever seen anything like that. It's very cool. The the other side effect of doing this is it's a GUID. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's totally unique. You know, if you search the web and if you Google me, you'll just find me. You're always going to be at the top. Or my wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw a, a word like that come out of SN, strong name utility. There you go. Oh, okay. yeah. It's very good. Very good, very good. And then speech recognition, they, they, uh, it just, all you have to say is grant blah, 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 and it finds me. <laughs> It's really irritating. <laughs> all right, guys. So, so what is the uh, the customer lab all about? Why do you, why do you exist? Well, let's see. How do we do this, Grant? What did we say yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we make it up as we go along. Uh, changes every day. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's the 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 lab is about well, we call it a center. It's a platform adoption center. Okay. I think. Because um, lab is a little too confining to what we do here. Sounds like you have beakers and test tubes and stuff, you know? You're experimenting on customers. Right. And, and in Microsoft parlance, it's usually a test facility, yeah. a lab for testing, okay. right? We don't do that at all here. We, we don't do any testing. Okay. So what, what we do is uh, um, we introduce Microsoft technologies here, uh, usually often to for the very first time outside of campus. Wow, okay. And and is this it's a customer center. So do customers come to you to to sort of work through their issues or with new products or how does the customer get involved? Customers and partners is really important. It's definitely hugely in partners as well. Okay. Yeah, and 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 the way they get they get invited. Usually it's the they're usually pretty well known to whatever segment of the market that they're in, you know. Um, and they're usually pretty much they're the they're more the uh, social set of the geek set, mm-hmm. you know. They're the ones that generally have some visibility and bathe and and bathe. Yeah, they, well, <laughs> I, I could guarantee that they talk to people, right? Oh, right, and and actually like it. Yeah, and actually okay. like it. They don't hide. So um, they get invited okay. by product development teams, and they get nominated by the field. So we have all kinds of uh, representation outside in the field and in our local area. They'll re- they'll recommend someone for something or another. Sounds very Ascend-like as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very much. Uh, really, there's, you know, TAP. You've heard of TAP? As- yeah, TAP sure. is the, the precursor to Ascend. There right? you go. There's a lot of TAP events that actually ha- are held in the facility. Right, right. Mm. And and then there are things that you wouldn't even call a TAP. They're, oh, say they had a new version of, well, okay, .NET was shown here for the first time. Okay. Right. So, yeah, when it's not really even a product per se yet, you get a chance to take it out for a spin with some, some regular mortals. Or, or this- maybe it's just PowerPoint. Oh, I really early in the spin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, at one point, uh, 
when I was an ISV, I was brought out here just to kibitz on uh, the schema for WinFS. Hmm. Right. So it's really a sort of a place where you can bring uh, external people in to talk about and work with Microsoft products in whatever state they may be developing, and you just have everything you need there to do that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 like that. It's like kind of like Microsoft's living room in a way. Yeah, you invite right people on. over for tea. You wouldn't necessarily invite the press, would you? These would be more of partner companies that. Well, actually, the press does come, but it, it's it's usually the product teams are not at the stage where they're talking to the press. They're usually yeah. waiting. At this stage, they're more in the um, let's uh, let's figure out what features are missing in the product before we finish development on it. So what does it look like? I mean, what what kinds of rooms do you have? What kind of cool stuff do you have there? Oh, so we, we, we have about 30 individual rooms we call labs that, that house about four people. So it's like an office. Okay. And uh, we, we, we staff that with, with equipment, hardware. We have different types of hardware that comes from different vendors. And we'll build up the platforms for each individual event based off the event owner's requirements. And so they'll be, they change. These machines change on a weekly basis. Okay. And, and then we have training rooms. We have four different training rooms here. Um, that The largest one seats about 70 students and has computers in it. Oh, interesting. So all hands-on labs. Yeah, for hands-on labs. And then Structure we have other rooms. Yeah. So do you have, like, the one-way mirror rooms as well? <laughs> no, we don't do uh, usability studies. But Check out it's... customer number 72. <laughs> Unauthorized access of a Linux server. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen some of those rooms that, uh, you know, that there's a room on the campus. I don't know what it is, but it's like an auditorium-style hands-on lab where everybody's got a... Uh, you know, it looks like a, there's like a stage, and it's a half circle. I think the picture of Steve Cellini's back that we have on the website is taken from there. And uh, I, I don't know if that's in the same area, but but you know, the rooms that you guys come up with over there are just insane. Yeah, this this place is a little more uh, relaxed. Okay, we we try not to do intense, you know, usability. We're more interested in uh, starting good conversations. And- that's cool. You know, so we provide an environment as well where companies like an ISV will bring their code. Right. And okay. So let's talk about that. What? What typically? You know, give me a story of of something that happened recently. You don't have to name names, sir. But what would that be like? Oh, there was uh, one company coming in using some new bits uh, for Visual Studio 2005, and they built a lot of SOAP services and. You name it. It was kind of complex. It was like three or four machines and several tiers and mm-hmm. a lot of services and running the uh, um, uh, SQL, SQL Server 2005 as well. And, okay. and they came in, and they were uh, debugging, basically, with the help of product development, um, different, different parts of their application that were maybe um, either not documented well and Microsoft bits yet, or uh, you know, 
uh, really were bugs. And they ended up finding a, wow. you know, a whole bunch of weird bugs and adjusting some features so they were more clear, you know. Interesting. Now, I mean, it sounds like you were helping them with their app. What did Microsoft get for that? I know that you don't just give this away. What what is that? What does that run you? I guess, of course, it's it's uh, all Widby Yukon stuff. So you're getting a chance to see the new bits, the raw bits uh, in action, third party. Exactly. There's like two benefits out of the whole deal. One is, you know, this is a way for for Microsoft to engage. Um, the users of the product in advance so they just don't get stuff dumped on their doorstep one day that doesn't work for nobody. But this was not a, a tap or a send uh, relationship. This, this, this might have might been a, a tap. A, I think this might have been a tap relationship. Okay, but the difference now is that these guys came up to Redmond with their software and set it up on your gear and got a chance to take a look and see what was going on. Behind closed doors, right. Right, yeah. yeah. And I guess under NDA in both directions. Yeah, yeah, NDA in both directions. Hence, no names. Now there was a there was a lab up in Waltham, Massachusetts, near Boston. Do you guys know the one I'm talking about? I've been to that lab. Is that like an MTC? Or? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It, it was. Oh, no, it's not a training center. It's um, they're um, performance labs. Yes, they there's, had. There's one in San Jose. There's one in in Austin. Uh, and there's one up in in uh, outside of Boston. They had oh, yeah. a, they had a huge room. They, and and I think they closed it down, but they had a huge room where there was you know space for like 50 computers and a hands-on lab. I know I taught a class there, and then they also had these little rooms like you're describing, where companies brought in their just like you said brought in their uh, in their code in their machines and they worked alongside Microsoft consultants and stuff to uh, sort of work through bugs and stuff. And they they paid a you know premium for it, but but I mean, talk about great service. I mean, this is right here on the Redmond campus in the in the heart of Redmond, or the heart of of the Microsoft campus. And so, the product groups are right here. They just yeah, love it and, when the customers come in. And I guess your access to resources could not be better. It couldn't you can be better. Pick up the phone and go have lunch with whoever. Exactly. Come to the facility and have lunch. Absolutely. In, the in, and uh, the people who visit here, they don't experience any charge. Really. Yeah, it, but they really have to be doing, you know, we're not talking edge, about the, yeah. the top 1,000 people. We're not talking about the top 100. We're talking about the top 20. Right, right. right. It's got to be an out there kind of work. Yeah, it, they have to kind of be pushing the limit. They they might have a good name. Some, there's some of them are very small operations. Right. You know, one or two people. But uh, what they're doing something very interesting, something that Microsoft wants to see more of. And uh, it's generally cool and kind of pushes the envelope a lot. Sure. There's all these, like, other ISVs that are very more conservative, or they're enterprises, and they're Enterprise much more like, conservative like, right. that Absolutely. might never come here because they're going to wait till the product ship. Right. I mean, I guess there's three ways you could you either be doing something so unique nobody else is doing it, or you're doing it so early in the product cycle that you're ahead of the curve and, and everybody's going to learn from what you're mm. doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes there are some technologies here that there are only, like, four people in the world that will use it. Right. right. And <laughs> you want two of those guys in the room. Yeah, bring them all in, buy them pizza. <laughs> because once they use the technology, then there's other technologies that flow out of that. Right. You know, to the rest of the world. So, so is there yeah. any, are there any stories you can tell naming names that we would know that without, without making anybody mad? Oh, it's hard to say that. 
Yeah, it's hard to say that. I'm trying to think if there were... A lot of stuff comes through here on, basically, like I say, dual-way NDAs. Yeah. But, you know, there's if you think of just some of the larger solutions, even in the enterprise, um, yeah. you know, where you got like EMC, that's a big company, you know, um, a lot of backup solutions. Think of backup vendors. Mm, okay. Right. Um, we've we've had yeah, an event okay. come through, and you know they're bringing in all the, the partners, ISVs that that build backup solutions, um, leveraging Microsoft technology, and they bring both sides, the, the host side or the, the what they call it, the server side and the receiving side. There's different technologies in 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 that space, and they get them all together, and they all know each other. Right. Of course. Well, I imagine they're all the tech guys, too, so right. they may well have all worked with each other at different times. Most likely. Many of them, yes. Yeah. That, that and, um, you know, there probably are some stories, um, and they get a lot of these could turn into case studies on the Microsoft site. So, sure. um, you know, what it can do is come up with a couple that specifically involve the lab um, where they were here a lot, and then you can uh, you can include links to those. Sure. Yeah, you bet. Well, case study is a classic example of both sides winning. I mean, I've certainly been a facilitator for case studies because my customers want the fame, and Microsoft wants the proof. So it you know works both ways. I, I wanted the fame when I did the case study. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I and mean, comp- that's what companies want. Plus, they did something really hard. You know, I wanted other people to know you could do the same thing. Mm. No, which is you know host your own CLR if you want. And yeah, you're talking about this River Deep project. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I happen to be at the case study. I, I'm taking a look at it, and it's pretty amazing stuff. Like you really took on a killer project, and and Print Shop, like you want to talk about a legacy app. Yeah, yeah. That app's been around a long, long time. I I use the Apple II version of that app. Oh, you did. I did. I mean, I've been a geek forever. You know, I've, I've used that, that software for a long time. I remember, yeah, I remember as a kid using that to print large banners on a Mac. Yeah, exactly. Let's tell the listeners what this is, what the Riverdeep thing is. The, uh, well, the, the story behind Riverdeep is that there were a bunch of companies, um, Broderbund, Learning Company, Software Toolworks, uh, Red Orb, just a billion companies. They were all bought and conglomerated into one company. And that got sold around until it ended up in the hands of Dublin-based Riverdeep. Okay, so what was the study about, the case study? Uh, the case study was about, uh, we had Print Shop, and uh, it, we were working on the next version, and I really wanted to use .NET. That was sort of my personal decision. Plus, hmm. I was the chief architect, so I really wanted to use it. But you just don't get to name your your practice when you're a chief architect. You have to play politics. <laughs> you know, you, you have to make it so it's everybody else's idea. But um, we we used Print Shop, and eventually I did on one little thing, and it kind of caught on. whole dev team was using it. And uh, we rolled a lot of features in the Print Shop that we couldn't have done in the same time frame. So here's an app, like I said, 20 years old, all written in C++. I was going to say, and, that is an old app. That's the one where PCX came from, right? Is that the one? Uh, no. I think I came from another product, PC Paint or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a similar thing, right? Yeah, it's 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 literally that old. It, it's It's gone through a couple rewrites in its life, but... 
as well it should from a from a 1980s application. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, but the code base we were working on was at least oh, like 1992, 93, okay. and and worse, it was two different code bases that had been um, from two different companies that used to compete compete with each other across the highway. Oh, wow. And they were both bought. <laughs> and huh. then they were told to jam their code bases together. Wow. <laughs> and we, we called the code base pretzel. <laughs> awesome. I was thinking worse words than that myself. <laughs> I know. But it was, it was a very weird code base. And so the last thing we wanted to do was rewrite it because we have to ship every year. Right, right, of course. You need you need a deliverable. Shipping is a feature. But we do need to rewrite it, so why not start rewriting in .NET and figure it out a way using by hosting the CLR to have both versions of the application cohabitate. Okay, now you say by hosting the CLR, what you you didn't this was on a on a on Windows, right? Yeah. Yeah, so by hosting the CLR, you just mean to by using .NET, right? Yeah, using .NET and instantiating the the actual .NET services inside our application. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I know it's it's just frightening when you when you think about that for a while. But I guess it worked brilliantly. Actually, it's easy. Why why did you need to do that? Well, because interop, you know, using the standard interop wasn't gonna gonna work for us because of all these dependencies. We, and we tried recompiling the code base, and, and okay, back then, okay, I have to tell you, if if the 2.0 stuff was out, if the Windows 2005 was out, I probably just would have recompiled the whole app without any failure. But back then, you just couldn't do it and have it have it run managed interop. Mm. And, and the COM components weren't the right model for bringing the, the system up. Because mm. literally, we didn't want to plug in .NET into the other app, we wanted to start the part of rewriting it. So it's almost like two mains. Wow. And <laughs> right. control flows. And then we just wrote little uh, bridges. Yeah. But now you're sharing a common thread. I mean, you're, you're working in the same memory space, so all of that overhead cost of trying to interrupt goes away. Exactly. Yeah, because we were literally, we thought we'd be another process or something. But then when we started looking, and we were looking at ways of doing memory map files and everything right, yeah, else. Right, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, but actually, you're in the same memory allocator, the same right. global malloc. So wait a second now. Now you, you're hosting in C Sharp. You're hosting the CLR. You're pulling that up. Did you then create an app domain and load some assemblies in there and oh, yeah. you just start poking around with... Yeah, geez. we wrote our own app loader. That's, that's insane. That's wicked. But, you know, you think about the app. This makes perfect sense for this app. This app is all about it's a sovereign app. It controls a desktop when it's running. Right. You're, and, and speed of execution is what it's all about. You're pulling up images. You're manipulating them. Like, you just can't afford that overhead. This is not a business app. This is a graphics app. And does yeah. it run in, like, uh, in, as a Windows app, or does it take over? No, it, it runs in Windows. Okay. We, we even were able to dock. .NET generated control panels into the main app. Wow. Nice. It, they're doing the same thing now in Widby. There's the same technique, only it's easier than what we had to do. But you've basically set up a perfect bridge for eventually converting the whole app to .NET. Yeah. Yeah, that's literally what we did. We pick pieces and rewrite them, drop them in. Let's get back to what you said about what they're doing in Widby. What are they doing in Widby that'll make this kind of thing easier? 
Well, the when you're in C++ interop, all the um, you know the 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 it just works. Oh yeah, IJW mantra, technology. <laughs> it, all that stuff of going between a Windows handle, yeah, you no know, native handle, and going to a form or whatever. It's all handled in the compiler, so it's it's uh-huh. pretty smooth and. And, you know, you could take and define a dialogue, I think, and even bring up a little control in there. What we did was we wrote a little proxy window, and every time that little proxy window, that we wrote that in native code. And every Mm. time it changed, it would update the .NET control to flutter over it. So you could do, like, create window, and it would, like, create a uh, .NET control object or something like that? No, we had to kind of create the landing proxy window hand its handle over to .NET, and then it would create itself to float on top. We tell oh, okay. the, uh, the proxy window not to paint. Okay. Nice. Yeah, wow. so it would float, and if you move the, the main app around, it was all... So- it's .NET thunking. <laughs> That's really wild. Yeah, That's we were what it is. kind of window thunking, but... Yeah, it's window thunking. <laughs> That's right. You know, we figured it out in a day. Wow. I mean, this, .NET made things... I became like a huge .NET fan after starting to use it, and then it kind of caught on, and and eventually, you know, no one on the team didn't want to. No one on the team wanted to write native code again. Right, right. right. They would dread it. They hated it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they'd go like C sharp, C sharp, yeah, and then, and then all these features started appearing that we had cut off the list. You know, um, it, in the early stages, because when we just thought we were doing native code again and mfc and our own weird framework and uh then it all came back and other stuff and oh we could add this and that it's really easy now somehow you got from here to the microsoft lab so you were saying this conversation started with uh river deep went to the labs yeah so I, i i engaged a lot with microsoft during that time because i needed help about how to do the hosting and Right. You were doing something rather odd. Yeah. Uh, and, then the, and then my whole motivation was we were approached by Microsoft. This was Riverdeep. Um, to look at uh, Longhorn. We were one of the first eight companies to see it. Because we at the time, it was, that company was one of the only large, viable consumer software companies out there. Mm, right. Mm. So they need one consumer software company involved. And when I saw Longhorn and I knew about .NET, I knew I had to start writing .NET now so right. that my company would be prepared for Longhorn. Yeah, right, it's, which is just going to go even further, and you're not going to have any chance to get there in an MFC app. It's going to be impossible. And Avalon, yeah. is, right. it's, it's the coolest thing to happen to, UI, to, to the graphics world. Oh, it's a huge step forward. It's, yeah. It's almost inconceivable how much of a step forward it is. Yeah. You know, the GDI's code is not that far different from the stuff we were running in the middle 80s. Exactly. Mm. And, you know, it, you know, I've done Mac programming, and it, it leaves Aqua around in the dust and all the PDF crap. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different league. It's a completely different <laughs> is league. Is that a technical term, t- PDF crap? Uh, very cool. Yeah. This, uh, uh, and yeah. I just was speaking as, you know, personal. I don't know <laughs> no, if I represent, I, you know, Microsoft's views on that particular statement. Well, you know, the goal, one of the goals as host and co-host of .NET Rocks is to get people to ruin their careers on our show. <laughs> <and> that... <laughs> 
of you who are doing web forms development should definitely check out Telerik RAD, R-A-D, Control Suite, the UI essentials for rapid ASP.net development, online at www.telerik.com, T-E-L-E-R-I-K.com, their new sponsor, and uh, we've taken their tools for a test drive here, and we like what we see. This indispensable collection of components cover the major aspects of most web applications, from the CMS backbone and the WYSIWYG editor to navigation, content rotation, and charting. Telerik has just released version Q1 2005 of the RAD control suite, which features new major versions of their tree view, panel bar, and charting components. The company has been prominent for frequent releases, so you can expect something new every month. RAD Controls is not merely a collection of ordinary controls, but rather a value set of products, many of which are market leaders in their respective categories. They've received a number of industry awards and recognitions. Moreover, as of June 2004, a modified version of their flagship control, the HTML content editor called RAD Editor, has been made available by Microsoft as a replacement of the default HTML placeholder in Microsoft Content Management Server 2002. All the individual controls can also be purchased separately. If you only need navigation components, for example, you can opt in for the subset called RAD Navigation Suite. A subscription option is also available, which entitles you to new products and free updates for one year. So you should definitely check them out. Telerik RAD Control Suite Q1 2005 for ASP.NET at com. the way this uh this case study starts off the sit with situation and it says there's an old joke that asks god how god was able to create the world in seven days the answer he didn't have an installed base (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good (laughs) i really like that case study for that so it sounds like you must have liked the lab because you uh changed jobs for it oh yeah i think uh you know, it's fun here. Yeah. It, being a being a software architect and a chief software architect, that's a tiring job. It's a job. It's a real job. Yeah. It's a real job and and it's not just sitting around and getting the code, which is fun. Right. No. It's it's sitting around and convincing people who don't really know a whole lot about technology that uh this is the right direction and then all the people who are coding view you as useless deadweight. Right. <laughs> and you're busy trying to herd them in a direction and keep them paid. Yeah, and, and, and the and the only way you get anything done is if, one, they believe your credibility. You see, you're always working on, you know, being right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and now I can come here and, you know, it's fun. I get to talk to you. Really cool. I mean, other chief software architects come in here, right? And, uh, I get to have great conversations with them. I'm exposed to every great technology that Microsoft has, you know, in its early stages. It's, uh, 
this job's like a vacation for me. Sure. And of course, you're not, not only seeing the new technologies, but seeing what weird things people have come up with that they want to try and do with them. And speaking of weird things that people have come up with, have you ever, like, has anybody ever come into the lab and said, yeah, take a look at this this way that I got around this issue or whatever, and that resulted in some architecture and code being added to Windows or the framework or anything else? Does that happen well, often? There I'd have to ask different product groups, but um, where I've seen a lot of influence has has definitely been in, in Whidbey and yeah. uh, how some of those APIs are are written. Okay. Because someone will have gone through a very convoluted way, and then they'll suggest something very uh, uh, succinct to do yeah. the same thing. Um, but uh, I can't give a specific example there. So, um, but it's okay. a classic case that the here guys are out in the field trying to solve these problems, and they just have a different take on it. Yeah, right, right, and and. Uh, you know, I could talk to my personal experience, which was I was able to give all kinds of neat ideas. And uh, and there was one time when I was here and with a whole bunch of other high-power chief architects from all the other major software vendors. And we were stuck in a room for three days talking about a particular technology. And that's when I realized that Microsoft, for a little bit of food, and uh, was, was getting... Uh, millions of dollars of consulting. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> that wow. is the truth. We all had this vested interest to make sure Microsoft <laughs> did it a certain way. You know, and, and that happens a lot here. And in the kind of, another kind of group that we bring in is often uh, I've, I've seen a group of Perl developers come in here. Wow. And talk. And uh, a bunch of Apache developers come in. Um. In other words, we try to embrace other groups out there, you know, both to get good feedback from them and get good ideas, you know, and, you know, there's that secret marketing thing about trying to co-op them, but really, it's not what it's about at that stage. Right. It's really about trying to make sure you have a really cool product. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, it's getting insight into why these guys like their tools. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you gotta you gotta embrace your user base, and you can't embrace them, you know, long distance via mass marketing and all these other things. Right, you have to bring them in yeah. and talk to them. Yeah, play a little Halo. Yeah, absolutely. You know, shoot at each other with rocket launchers, and then you're buds. Yeah, yeah. There's no no better bonding experience than mutual disintegration. Exactly. <laughs> I have a question from the chat room from Mike M in Florida. He says, being a C++ programmer myself, I'm wondering, when Longhorn comes out and I'm developing software for it, for, say, my dad's lottery ticket printing company, why would I need to use native code interop? Ah, well, with Longhorn, not with, with that kind of app, you'd never have to, to do it. it. The native code interop, you use it for a couple reasons. One would be... Um, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you just draw a blank when you're on the air. I hear you. And, that's uh, what editing That for. happens to Carl all the time. Yeah, that's my, I live for that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you get, uh, uh, for, there's a kind of a, sometimes a performance level thing to stay native, but it's not performance where you think you need it. 
it, it's performance more at kernel level behavior, okay. you know, or close to kernel. Um, and, and there you'll be surprised. Most apps don't need this. So um, managed code is, is, I think, the future of the platform. And, and uh, I really see it as a, uh, a major, uh, uh, well, okay, a half step towards the next level. I, th- I think whatever fixes software development today will be something done with managed code. Amen. Yeah, can't argue with that. I got yeah. another question from Buddy Lindsay uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and this is kind of interesting. How many people have you converted from an open source standpoint to using Microsoft tools? <laughs> I don't think that's probably a metric you actually keep. <laughs> well, we have a little altar here. <laughs> You know, put your hands on the screen. With little picture of Bill Gates, and you know, and we have little pictures of a, you know, a, a flightless bird, you know, kind of <laughs> groveling. No, no, but seriously, I, I don't think you convert anyone from open source. Yeah, you use the best solutions you have available. Um, there. There are some very good reasons to go with open source products, um, but I also think that uh, you know there's some really good reasons to go with Microsoft products. And there's some good products out there that are open yeah. source that people use. You know, yeah, and and certainly you know uh, if you're going to learn how to write an operating system kernel in your life, you might as well crack open Linux because it's good for teaching you how to write an OS. Yeah, not the best OS in the world in my opinion, but. A good OS. But you don't have to break any laws to be able to get your fingers into it. You don't have to break any laws. I mean, no one will learn how to write a kernel from Microsoft's kernel. No. Unless you're here, which is a good reason to come here. Hmm. Because, yeah, you can learn to write OSs if you want. Yeah. But, you know, the demand for new and original OSs is not exactly what it used to be. Oh, yeah, and it totally depends where you're looking. On embedded space, there's an endless demand. Yeah. And, you know, Joe Stagner made a good point on this show. He said that Microsoft isn't anti-open source. They're anti-GPL, the GNU public <laughs> license. <laughs> and, and, and shown by the software that Microsoft has put to, uh, to SourceForge, <laughs> you know, FlexWiki and the, and the like. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like, yeah, GPL's great for certain <laughs> things. You know, it's how you want to uh, manage your intellectual property. You know, I could or not manage it as the case may be. Or not manage it. You know, I'd commit something to GPL if I thought I'd never make any money with it, but I knew it was very useful to the rest of the world. And, and I'm a big fan of companies taking their old, old code from old products, whatever happened to hijack, right? <laughs> and just open source it. Yeah. So yeah, put it out there. Don't let it die. Put it out here so we can do something with it if we care enough. Because it, it rots. It rots. You know, being an ISV, I know lots of old products just get totally lost. Lost to humanity. Yeah. You know, I, so I'd really put a bit out there for anyone. That if you have old code, it's no longer part of your product line, just throw it out there. I'd like to, you know, this is, I'd love to be able to just read some of the one-liners that I'm seeing in the chat room here. Uh, long live the CLR, plus one to manage code, Kool-Aid helps, <laughs> free, <laughs> free BSD is good, GPL sucks. <laughs> Flex Wiki is cool. I mean, you know, if you really want to get the .NET Rocks experience, man, come and hang out in the chat room during the show. That's just great. Definitely. G- GPL.dispose. So, That's a good one. <laughs> so, Glenn, 
<laughs> yeah. So I'm then, what do you do? Just listening to you guys here. <laughs> do you know? Did you know all this story of of Grant? Now that we've uh, run through a chunk of his life, not in this kind of detail. No. <laughs> but uh, I knew about part of the name. Tell you the truth. Ah, okay. Whole whole story. <laughs> I only got uh, created a little bond with him on that since my name is also a it's, it's a Czech name as well. Oh. Hmm. Okay. So, anyways. So what is it you do? Yeah, what do you I, do at the lab? I keep this place alive. Keep it running. Um, keep the customers coming in. So you order pizza? <laughs> oh, we can help with that, too. <laughs> now, there's always groups here in our company that don't know about our know about the resource. Yeah. I think that's a constant problem side of a company the size of Microsoft. I mean, just communicating inside of the organization all of the things that are going on. Yeah, I, and this, the resources that are available, the different product groups, you know, they, there's, I don't know what the longevity of the actual full-time person has been, but some people have been around for multiple years and have never even heard of our facility. Yet mm. this facility, I think I came here even before I joined Microsoft when I was still with a, a company by the name of Wall Data, and we were going from like uh, Windows 95 to NT4, a migration program. Why do I know wall data? What was that? Rumba? That's correct. How's that for pulling something out of my head? Good mm. memory. <laughs> just just having to integrate lots of different systems for a long, long time. That's a great solution, you know. And yeah. It worked like a dream. Yeah. You bring your Windows 3.1 environment and then Windows 95 and everything, and you don't have to have two screens on your, mach- on your, on your desk. I like having more than one screen. I'm talking to the toy <laughs> boy the here. the same computer, multiple mon. Yeah, multi-mon, absolutely. Yeah. Richard, what is your monitor set up now? I have three machines running five monitors. So the triple screen machine is 3840 by 1024. I have a single Samsung 24T running 1920 by 1200, as is the Dell XPS laptop also running 1920 by 1200. Crazy. These are all tubes? No, they're all LCDs. Yeah. Otherwise, the desk could collapse. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Well, where's your laptop? Where's your tablet? I didn't hear a tablet. I do not have a tablet, and there's only one reason why. The screens are not high enough resolution yet. When there's uh, a 1920 wah, wah, by 1200 wah. laptop uh, uh, tablet, I will have one. Come I've got on. a great s- setup where I've got a, f- it's a Fujitsu, and it sits in a nice little dock. It doesn't have a keyboard. And I have a multi, you know, it's a multi-mon arrangement. It's almost sacrilegious, uh, Richard, that you don't have a tablet PC. What's I know, up with that, isn't man? It? But I just can't stand. You know how mad I get when they tell, when I read the docs on a tablet, and they talk about their high resolution ten twenty four by seven sixty eight. No, no, screen? you get fourteen something by. I just blow it. Yeah, that's the M two hundred five, which yeah. is the Toshiba. Yeah, and it's a beautiful machine. Yes, it is. And and it's the one I would buy if I if you put a gun to my head and said buy a tablet now. But I, it's it's a couple of years old. It's long in the tooth. I want the next one. Well, the M3 is on the market. Yeah, mm. just just started to ship, but not any better resolution. Have you guys done any tablet stuff at the customer lab? Haven't seen one here yet, but I've seen some email going back and forth about it. People asking questions. So, mm. but uh, yeah, we've got the uh, uh, we've got neat experiments that we do with our customers. We actually got some new technology that's coming in um, around on wireless. So since we're a customer facility and we bring in, you know, on the midst of some sometimes 100 people every day, 
um, from different companies and so forth. And so we have a great, great place for us to just pilot our own technologies. It seems awesome. like security is the place to go where, with wireless these days. I mean, just every, everywhere I go, there's somebody on the web debunking the latest, you know, all the, all the ways in which these wireless hubs are, are insecure. Are, are, is anybody at Microsoft working on that stuff, or is that primarily the domain of the hardware manufacturers? Oh, no, it, it, Microsoft has got solutions, and yeah, uh, and what we're what we're actually testing in here is uh, a solution that that will be good for public hotspots. Oh, cool! As well, wow! But it, it's very secure. There's none of this because in hotel Wi-Fi usually. You can scan the local network and find all the other laptops connected. Right. right. Oh, sure. Well, you know, and if, <laughs> if if Dad's away from the laptop, Junior will be able to go in there and run all his cracks and break into all the laptops. So it's it's a real problem. Happens all the time. Well, I find it's not that doesn't take that long when I show up at a hotel to find somebody who's thrown up their own access point to their ten dollar a day DSL, and I just use that. Exactly. And and I can power on in my apartment complex and pick up, you know, 20 different. Yeah. I, it's actually been a mission of mine going from friend to friend, actually securing their wireless networks. Non-technical yeah. friends, admittedly, but, you know. Yeah. But but there are some some very, very cool technologies. And then, uh, you know, Microsoft has something called IPsec. runs out of Active Directory, and it mm-hmm. encrypts all your communications. Foreign you don't find that in your hotels, though. You know, I had a guy in my class who brought this little device that we've actually talked about. I think it was on Mondays. I can't remember if it was Don Rocks, but it was one of the Richard the Toy Boy segments. And uh, it's one of these Linksys uh, wireless hubs, routers that that is hackable, or at least not hackable, but you can you can actually get in and pro- reprogram it. Yeah, it's running Linux. Yeah, running Linux. And, and this kid brought it with him so that he could get wireless at the hotel because he just sits and runs it. Uh, runs a program on it, and within five minutes, he's hacked the 128-bit web key to the hotel wireless thing. So, and, and I said, "You don't have that thing on in here, do you?" <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's just it's just really hard to keep up with that kind of stuff. And yeah. uh, so we got some cool stuff like that happening. It's kind of neat to be able to have our own hardware or our own software solutions, I should say, you know, being able to prototype right here in our own facility. And so the ISVs bring the gear in to take out for a spin? Well, no, they just bring their own laptops in, their own tablets, right? Their own wireless built-in tablets. Hmm. And we send them straight out on the Internet. They can go right to their company if they wanted to. Hey, who are some of the people that we might know that uh, actually come into the lab and help with with stuff? Are, Are these... Well, Carl, you're you're a, you're an RD, right? Sure, we both are. You've been here, man. <laughs> I haven't been to the lab, no. Uh, but sometimes we get those <laughs> that that type of people okay. in here. But uh, uh, and they're usually the most rambunctious lot. Is the I, RDs. I, I mean, from Microsoft, like who would come in uh, from a product team that we would know? You know, like Jeff Richter come down and start ripping apart your kernel, or you know what? Ah, oh, dude. <laughs> Let's see. I seen No, I haven't seen Jeffrey Richter yet. Uh but we do get uh let's see. Uh, let's see. 
name some former RDs that have suddenly become part of Microsoft. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Trying to get Kevin over here, right? Yeah, yeah. Kevin definitely be one of them. Right. He'll be here soon enough. He wouldn't come over for the show. No. Oh, yeah. Well. But uh Okay. I, we're worrying about Kevin. We have this impression that he's finally starting to choke on the fire hose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you he is, a little rugged. He's in our group. He's great. I love Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, you know, one good place is like okay, we had Scott Guthrie in here, okay. you know, PM for, you know, I, oh, we know Scott, yeah, we yeah, know, you know Scott, so he's been here. He even he even did a tour of this place. It's a cool tour. It's it's on the Channel Nine website. Get to it on our MSDN site too. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So if you go to MSDN, oh yeah, we have a link to it on our site. Yeah, yeah. So under, under videos, uh, I guess he's a. Uh, Oh, now I'm being corrected via IM. Um, he's a POM, product unit manager. So he's even bigger than a product manager. I don't want to. Okay. He's big. And uh, he's cool. And uh, let's see. Other other names. Uh, That's all right. I don't want to put yeah, you on the spot. Yeah, I know. I always I draw blanks uh, on you, you get the You know, the solutions come through, which, like Matt was talking about earlier, where we get a chance to see, you know, Avalon, first time it's being introduced. Yeah. Not, I mean, not necessarily first time, but we're actually doing design reviews. So it's not just where we hold different types of events, right? So, um, you know, it might be a software design review or even a standards event. Yeah. You know, we like events coming through this week that just a small group of people that, that are not small group, but there's you know, people that are doing a UPMP standards and Microsoft participates within that organization. And then they need places to host an event. Who's who's going to do cool stuff with Avalon? Who? Yeah. What like what companies? Or, or I can't say yet. But <laughs> that cool. Everyone. So you have a lot of interest in Avalon. Yeah, I we had an Avalon event here, and it was a who's who of the I, of the majors. Wow. So um, I think Avalon's very exciting. People are really starting to to get an idea of what it was. Or what it real what it will be, what it can do for us. Yeah, what it can do for us. So you think that business applications are going to look like uh, Halo in a couple of years? Or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I've had a few board meetings that look like Halo. But you, you, you know, as a uh, as a system for information representation, yeah. you know, it really opens the doors up. So oh, yes, sweet. there will be business apps built on Avalon. Yeah. They they won't be all candy. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'll be using multiple layers of transparency for different uh to emphasize different things over others and yeah. and uh you know, to browse data sets and things like that. Very critical stuff. Don't you think along with Avalon comes like the 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 learning about graphical you know, information? Uh there's a lot of people who aren't UI designers who are, you know, who have done business applications who are now sort of learning all about how the eye finds things and and gets confused and like how to present information visually because I don't see that there's a lot of people that know about that. I think Mark Miller may be the only developer I've ever met who has an an eye for that stuff. And you know, I'm just saying that not to single him out, but I really don't know a lot of developers who get that. So, along there's a with a whole class of them. They write games. Right. It's true. They, that's the people that design the UIs for for games. Along with Avalon, don't you think people are going to learn 
how to do this, and we're going to have to teach that as well as using the technology? Uh, yeah, I think there'll be uh, lots of people have learned how to put icons down on toolbars. Yeah. And I think it's going to change. They'll become more visually aware. And I think it opens up something for a, a class of software engineer that's both um, artist and software yeah. engineer. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, you're right. I know a bunch of games developers up at EA Canada, and they do have an amazing eye for those very fine details of what makes graphics great. Yeah, yeah I've met some of those guys. Yeah. yeah. We could compare names, but it would probably upset them. <laughs> Uh-oh. Plan. We have a we have a guest in here. Uh-oh. Who? <laughs> Kevin. Kevin Schuler. Kevin Schuler. Kevin Schuler is there? Kevin Schuler. I'm going to hand him the phone. He's going to say hi. Here, here, okay. here you go. Hi guys. Hey Kevin. <laughs> hey man. Yeah. I we were just talking about you. Used in vain, so uh I just thought I'd come by and say hi. You so your ears were burning? <laughs> they were. <laughs> <laughs> So for those who don't know, Kevin Schuler was a regional director and then became regional director program manager. That's right. He's the boss. He's the, I'm boss. the boss. Yeah. I'm pretty tough too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait until you're arguing with Steve Forte before I comment. <laughs> there, there, there you go. <laughs> and also uh, taught Dwayne Allman how to play blues guitar, and I'm not making that up. That's amazing. A long time ago. That's just amazing, man. And, you know, not a lot of people have seen the .NET Rocks movie, so they wouldn't necessarily know that about you. So what are you, what are you doing today over there? Well, I, uh, I often come over here to uh, what, what I, I, I do is I put uh, viruses and worms in, <laughs> in all, all the machines here. So, uh, so uh, Glenn and Carl, you know, just, just have a really tough time, you know, they're trying to get ready for, for a lab and they're, they're tearing, tearing out the hair and, and boy, did I, I fix them. <laughs> so what do you do to retaliate, Glenn, or... On that kind Grant. of stuff, Grant. We just uh, talk about him behind his back. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe that. I handed him my microphone. Phone. Monopolize. <laughs> I'm going to kick him out of my office. <laughs> oh wow! Don't bring me a beer, will you? <laughs> well, this place sounds like somewhere I want to come and hang out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did Grant? You talked about Xbox, didn't you? Oh, we haven't talked about Xbox. No, only well, we brought up Halo, but well, you know, you know, we talked about Avalon, but we do Indigo. We got a live communication server bit coming up. You know, live communication server two thousand five just came out. Yeah, hmm. we got a pretty heavy duty lab coming through here in another couple of weeks. We have, I think we have what Grant couple almost three hundred people coming through in a week. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's high volume. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Isn't the Xbox 360 coming up? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, another group which I've gotten to meet, and they're really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, they have their own setup for testing and everything. Just so, but all they do is play testing. They're just playing video games for a living. Yeah, they just play video games, and I met the guys that run their 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 lab. And one of the most interesting things about their lab is off seventy people, and they'll be digitally recording every session of a game wow. for all those people and then streaming it because sometimes the developers are some other continent 
and they'll be streaming it live. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. It's almost as cool as Grant's new video streaming solution. Oh, yeah, I built one, too. <laughs> I saw what they did. I built one. You said you had to do that. Does that Grant, does that work for console apps, too? Um, yeah. Yeah? Cool. It records uh, straight VGA. Awesome. At uh, 1024.768. I was thinking maybe they ought to come out with Halo for the console app, you know, that, uh, as a console. Uh, so with ASCII tech? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, that'd be so Sweet. <laughs> Rocket launcher, 360 degrees, 15 degree deflection. <laughs> Type fast. Yeah. Not even real time. It'd be like that Star Trek game. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Be like an Infocom oh, I, game. I, I played that on a Deck Rider 3 printing on ledger paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I built myself an S100 box, and I was playing it on there. It was really cool. You play, I had an S100 at a North Star. The old oh, North geez. Star Horizon with the wooden sides. Oh yeah, I had I actually oh, here we uh, go. got a Saul. Oh really? Yeah, one of the originals. God, that was such great. Who gear can too, name the know? more obscure computer? There we go. This were not obscure computers. You're just before your time, there, Mister Franklin. I.e., obscure. This is all CPM. <laughs> CPM, man. And I was very excited when I upgraded my my uh, mainboard from 8086 to 8088. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, that's I, the first I ran time Microsoft I get there. Basic. <laughs> Yeah, we all did, right? That's where Microsoft was where they were supposed to be. It wasn't an OS. It was a development environment. Yeah. That was the language. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was. It's all different now. Back in my day, we didn't even have punch cards. We had grains of sand. We had to put them in a line and flip them east or west if we wanted bits. Yes, sir. Those were the days. <laughs> no, we had paper tape, and we had to run the puncher ourselves. And you had to pull it through at the right rate or rip. Yeah, you had to pull it through, and then you have to rewrite. You know, Turing, you know, he had it right. He yeah. knew what he was doing. We had an abacus, and we liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a nice little flash of geek, and I miss my North Star. It was a great machine. Yeah, mine eventually just died. And I it it got to a point where the traces were falling off the boards, and I was resoldering them, and I had a girlfriend come by and says, you know, that computer looks like R2-D2 barfed. <laughs> I can see little solder traces. Oh, it's just trace wire, you know, yeah, wire running everywhere holding it together. Oh, oh, oh man. Well, I want to ask you guys, both of you, what is the coolest thing you've downloaded lately? And don't give me, a, you know, a, like a Microsoft product. I want something else that's out there that you downloaded that's very cool. Okay. Yeah. That's tough for me, you guys. Great, you can do this one. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, let's see. It's a file sharing app. It's called Grouper. Have you heard of Grouper? No, I haven't. www.grouper.com. Okay, Grouper. It, uh, it's all written in .NET. These are some of my old, my uh, uh, former coworkers from when I worked, cool. uh, worked on Print Shop. Wow, cool. It looks so, nice. A couple of these guys went off to join another company, which is formed from uh, you know the remnants of uh, uh, some of AOL's uh, audio type business, mm -hmm. and it allows file sharing. It's all done through secure encryption. Mm -hmm. It's an invite only system, so it's not like one of these public spammers. It's all, all right. your friends. Hmm. And uh, it gets the music is the one thing you can't download directly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Instead, you can stream it real-time from from one of your friend's hard drives. 
Oh, that's neat. cool. Yeah, yeah, it's like really neat. And it's got like a mini mail system and chat rooms. And I've met friends on it, you know, new friends, friends of my friends, right? Huh. So it's kind of like a combination of a file sharing app and one of those. Uh, um, and, and a chat, chat system. system. Yeah, chat system and personal invite system. That uh, is sweet. What they call those uh, community type. Yeah. Type systems, and it's really great. I I think it's the coolest thing written in .NET so far. Wow. wow. It really exercises like every API you can think of. Okay. So. And, and it's peer to peer. Awesome. And yeah. So, Glenn, how about you? I, it, you know, I'll be straight with you. If my kids don't download it from the network, it it doesn't come in. <laughs> okay. Been to a cool website that, uh, you know, not necessarily a download, but a, a cool website that uh, caught your eye? Uh, I'm, a, I'm an MSN user. Well, uh, I, I live on MSN, and, and, and so my search is I'm, – I'm true blue all the way, gentlemen. Okay. He's a company uh, man. All right. I will uh, relent then. What is the coolest thing on MSN these days? Search. Okay. Search straight up, man. That's uh, that's that's my work. Nah, I, I uh, I'm behind the closet over here. I like okay. I said in the last get big here at Microsoft has always been behind the wall, helping everyone out in front. <laughs> that's cool enough. And so I could tell you a lot of stuff that you can hit on campus, but unfortunately, <laughs> you can't get to them from the outside world. So why would somebody go to MSN search over Google? Ah, it's much, much more comprehensive search than Google. Really? Yeah, because you get an outside. If you go with the toolbars, yeah, integrate. Yeah, you get an inside and outside search at the same time, and I, I kind of like that. What does that mean exactly? Oh, you could search your local assets okay. and the outside world at the same time. Okay. When you search everything, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, and, and I think it's the way that all search should should be done. Sure, because if you already have something on your machine, why would you go download it somewhere else? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it might even be cached already. And, and, and it's a great thing. I mean, yeah, there's the Google Desktop. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's, not as, it's not as sweet. Okay. As MSN. Trent, how about Lookout? Lookout? Well, yeah. that's not our product, is it? No. Utility you like, Wait. though. I do like that. You do like that. So, it rocks a lot. That's a great, great Talk about opinion. Lookout. Too. So is that like an alternative to Outlook, Lookout? What is it? It's a search tool for Outlook, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Dub, lookoutsoft.com. Okay. Looks like there's an MSN on that. No, that's from, that's where I found it from. Hey, oh, MSN that, search. That is a <laughs> MSN search deal. Yeah. Okay, and then there's Lookout information. Not just link. regular Lookout. It's an add-in for yeah. Outlook. Lightning fast search for your email files. Okay, so is this like X1 kind of? Do you know what that is? Uh, no. X1 is a tool that I I downloaded and installed like a year and a half ago. Uh, Chris Sells recommended it to me, which does file indexing and Outlook email indexing externally. It's it's separate. And uh, I don't even bother to categorize emails in Outlook anymore and move into folders. I just go and I type in, and as I'm typing, it's narrowing the search down. A sort of a lot like uh, WinFS is is uh, supposed to do. Yeah, what, what what I find you have to look at those tools, and this is where Google falls short, is searching your archives. Hmm. If you keep archives. Right. 
you know. But I found that I can get the MSN search and Lookout to to search my archives. Well, that's really a good great. that's a good reason but to use it. That being said, Lookout was acquired by Microsoft in June 2004. <laughs> you guys just can't do it, can you? <laughs> so Glenn, you, you can still get you it. Miss so much for that. <laughs> totally missed out there. It's it's actually the same tool. Oh, right. <laughs> 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 oh shoot! How am oh, I going to install it on other machines now? <laughs> <laughs> you can still download it. I, I say it's it's a great tool, and you know I'm not even recommending a competing product now. <laughs> All right. Well, you got any last minute words of wisdom to impart on the listening audience, Grant? Ah, uh, last minute words of wisdom. I would say that. Uh, you know, if you're a software developer, go to .NET as soon as you can. That's pretty much a given with this audience, I think. Yeah, it's a pretty safe bet. You know, it's sort of like preaching to the choir. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other bits are, uh, you know, encourage your, your daughters and uh, girlfriends and wives to become software engineers. Cool. Because there's not enough out there, and I'm afraid we're missing our Einstein. That's right, and, and Michelle Arubastamante is getting all the all the limelight. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Glenn, I'd say uh, I'd plug our site. Go up to msdn.microsoft.com. Okay. Events WAC Pack, and that's the platform adoption center. Where you actually get a full scope of about our facility, and how do you get here? It actually tells you how you can actually get here. Yeah, so we don't show up unannounced. No, we won't let you in the front so door. We we can't pop in. <laughs> well, Carl, we might be able to make an exception, but all right, guys. How do you spell whack pack? Or or is it just be, uh, a whack as in a forward oh, slash p a c forward slash? So <laughs> he got he's a nice there. man, really. It's the whack pack. MSTN.microsoft.com forward slash events forward slash PAC. Ah. <laughs> well, I got to it the first try. <laughs> By typing whack pack. <laughs> I thought those were those little cardboard uh, stickers that had products that uh, with a bubble gum in them that wacky <laughs> packages. <laughs> whack packs. Oh, man. And so if you're out there, you like this stuff, you like to be able to come here that uh, – the developer evangelists in your area, your news gr- or your community groups, great favorite blogger. Yeah, well, I'm going to have on to the, come out on and the check blog, it out. The Scoble Channel Nine guys, definitely. If you're not into Channel Nine, haven't seen that, that's obviously the, a big place to get some serious exposure and to get recognized for what you know and and ultimately become like Grant and, and get invited in to as an architect and be able to experience. Our facility of building 20, firsthand. Do you guys, okay. have you been on Channel 9? Do you have Channel 9 videos about the uh, the pack? Uh, Scott's got one posted for us. I started to do one once. Scott did a good, great one. I started to do one, and I, there was a Java event, and mm-hmm. I ended up getting in an argument about <laughs> the merits of Java versus C Sharp. Oh, man. In front right. of the camera. So needless to say, it never got posted. Excellent. Oh, well, it must have been a good video passed around and on the inside. This was like a major figure in the Java movement. Oh. I didn't know it. You just walked right into it. Ouch. Yes. Oops. <laughs> well, listen, guys, on behalf of myself and Richard out there in British Columbia, Vancouver, 
Jeff Maciejlik in the sound room and uh, Grant and, and Glenn out there at the Platform Adoption Center. I'd like to say thank you for coming on the show and thanks to all the listeners for tuning in every week. Um, Carl Franklin signing off. Have a great week and uh, what can I say? Come back next week on Dot Rocks. By the FCC, yes, I'm a, a